This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room, Travis Johnson. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm fabulous as always. How are you doing, Philip? He he returned it right back. He he saw the finger guns and he threw it right back at us. <laughs> Dude, yeah, no. Um, Jason and I are definitely, I imagine, happy to have you here. I don't want to speak for Jason, but from what I saw when I joined, I joined after you guys. It was already uh, it was already rolling, and uh, I hope to carry that energy into this. Uh, and uh, my favorite question to ask in general for people that I meet for the first time is. Do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs? No, not at all, man. Like uh, people in my family, I come from on my dad's side, 26 generations of farmers. We did the genealogy back to the 1300s in Norway. And it turns out every damn one of them is farmers all the way up until my father's generation. Uh, most of them served in the military at some capacity but then didn't really go on to be entrepreneurs. I think my uncle Jerry had a business, my mom's side, just lifelong employees. Everyone's just an employee. No one that I know of in the family had ever thought about being an entrepreneur or sitting out on their own, or if they did, it never made it back to me. Wow. Okay. Hold on. So how, how do then you yourself get the bug? Was it just something like through school and, watching people, media, or what do you think you can attribute that to? I, uh, I'm, I'm a question asker. I don't, whatever is shown to me, I'm always like, but what about this? Or what about that? Or I saw someone else doing it this way. Have you ever thought about doing it that way? And you hear things like, no, it's my way or the highway. Well, I've just seen two other dudes do it completely different ways than what you're doing it. Like, shut up, let's just get this thing done. And there was no conversation. And I started to realize more and more that there's so many different ways to do things, including life, that is just not one way to do it. There's no right or wrong answer. I learned from the matrix that there is no spoon. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you must realize it's not the spoon that bends. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, okay. So th that's where the realization started. What was your first jump into business like I, I imagined like everyone else we've interviewed and maybe not i could be totally wrong here but the first attempt crashed and burned uh well I don't know if it crashed or burned so much as it never really did anything other than sit there it wasn't until like i was probably in my mid-30s when i really thought about entrepreneurship at the time i had been serving in the military in fact i just retired as a naval officer here a few months ago um <laughs> Very interesting because I didn't fit into the military because of the way that I questioned everything. Um, they're like, can you just shut up and do it for once? I'm like, no, I can't just shut up and do it. Like, they're like, why not? Because like, it sounds like the dumbest fucking way possible. Like, why would we do it that way? Oh, it was my idea. I was like, just because it's your idea doesn't mean we should do it. You know, that doesn't turn out well 
for the person asking those kind of questions, right? And really was looking for a way to create my and design my own life. And I couldn't do that or I couldn't envision that doing it while working for someone else. It just didn't, didn't make sense to me to do it that way. Okay. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I saw Jason uh, laughing there. He, he's holding it in, trying not to agree with you too much on what you were saying about the way things are always done, the way they're done. Uh, I hate and, that thing. Hate <laughs> I was going to say, Jason hate is that not thing. that guy either. My so, God, that's the, the <laughs> worst broke, thing. Don't ever. fix it. Well, just because it ain't <laughs> broke doesn't can't mean it can't work at a thousand percent more more efficient than it is currently going. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you mean it's not yeah. broke? Um, that's that has got to be the most um, uninnovative way of thinking that's possible, right? It's lazy. When, <laughs> it's laziness. And and trust me, I retired from the military too, so I I understand the whole, you know, dynamic of orders and all this stuff, right? But but sometimes, some every just every now and then, some people are just fucking stupid. <laughs> they are. They're just stupid. It's, it's not um, that you do dumb things; it's that you're a dumb person. Yeah, <laughs> that, I don't. I'll argue that all day long, but. There are dumb people in this world. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'll, I'll I do. offend those people, I guess. I would love, well, you can't, you can't offend anyone without their permission and consent. They well, have that's to, true. They have yeah. to take there you go. offense. Right. They yeah, have to take go. it. Are you saying I'm dumb? If the shoe fits. No. I'm speaking in generalities, but if the shoe fits, go ahead and wear it. That's right. Please do. Some people are out there looking for things to be offended by, but not you. You were looking to change things and, uh, and and to question things. And that that's a quality that you're right. A lot of entrepreneurs do have. They have that quintessential, well, why? That curiosity. Mm-hmm. Next up, why that? And again, why? So you then launch what I've come to know as nonprofitarchitect.org after you retired or I mean after you got out? No, I launched that while I was still serving. I was actually wow. serving in the Middle East, a little tiny island in the Persian Gulf called the Kingdom of Bahrain, serving on the Fifth Fleet staff there. And I had just come from America. I've been doing a lot of nonprofit work and I got over to the Middle East. I was also doing, I was, I was serving, I was doing nonprofit work, and I was also doing this thing called Warrior's Wallet. And Warrior's Wallet was that first crash and burn thing. Uh, I got really pissed off that no one had told me about personal finance. I didn't discover it until I was up to my eyeballs in debt and wondering why I couldn't breathe, you know, my mid 20s. And someone directed me to the holy saint of debt forgiveness, Dave Ramsey. He was not for everybody, but if your life's a mess, not a bad place to start. And I really got upset that people weren't talking about this. They're like, oh, it's faux pas. We can't talk about finances. I was like, you could at least talk about it in general terms. Even if you don't want to talk about your personal stuff, you would talk about leadership in general terms. People don't get offended by that, you know? So like, and so I made it my personal mission to really impact as many lives as I could, starting with the military people at church. Uh, and we helped 400 families pay off $6 million in debt over the next 10 years. And someone's like, you're doing that. You're providing that value. You should turn that into a business. And I like the idea, but I didn't like the execution because I felt the people that I was helping, uh, I didn't want their money. I didn't want them to pay me. 
but that didn't mean that I lost the idea for the business and the entrepreneurial journeyship. I started reading 60 books a year. I say reading, I really mean listening to because audiobooks are legit. Um, wait, you know, it's net, no extra time. You can listen to them while you're working out, while you're running errands, while you're doing anything else that doesn't require you to be actively there commuting and, you know, consume all these books. And it just started feeding me and feeding me and feeding me. And I realized the whole time that I always really had that entrepreneurial spirit. I just didn't know what it was. You know, I wasn't sure what to talk about, what to quantify. So I got over to the Middle East and I had been doing nonprofit work. Warriors Wallet was effectively dead because I never, I could never picture taking money for what I was doing. And I started doing, I was doing all this nonprofit work in the US. And I'm like, how can I do some nonprofit work, have an impact on the nonprofit world and do something positive while I'm stationed overseas away from the family? I know me. And if I don't have something positive to occupy my time, I will probably occupy it with something negative or something that's going to, you know, uh, fun, whatever we assume fun is, and then get myself into trouble. And I needed something. I needed a project to work on. And someone's like, well, you kind of got this podcasting voice. And I was like, oh, sure, whatever, man. Like, no, really, like you have a really smooth voice. And I was like, I don't see it. And then I they had to con me into recording me so they could play it back. And I was like, oh, who's that smooth devil? And they're like, that's you, my friend. <laughs> and, you know, convinced me to start a podcast. So I launched a show nonprofit architect podcast really dedicated. I didn't know, I knew some stuff in the nonprofit work. I've done a lot of work, had, you know, raised a half a million bucks and done a bunch of things, but I knew I didn't know everything. So I wanted to interview people that were earning their living impacting the nonprofit world, whether it was nonprofit professionals, business professionals, consultants, people with special skills to help nonprofits do it better. I'm a product of trailer parks and foster homes. And if it wasn't for all those people willing to help me, I would never be in a position to do anything else with my life. So I wanted to give back and I couldn't pick a single like organization to, to pump life into. So I was like, I want to help all our organizations do a better start of the show in September of 2019. By December, we were ranked number four in the U S and just having a blast crushing it. Wow. Okay. I mean, couldn't pick a better reason to start a show. Like could not pick a better reason to start a show and do it. And the way it aligns with everything that you are as a person is also a big deal, right? Like uh, many people look for that in business. And you said something about, I couldn't picture myself taking money for that. Reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from uh, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. It says, you can never grow beyond your own self-image. There was no way that was ever going to work because you just didn't align with how you saw the way the world works uh, right. for stuff like that. So I'm glad that you did find, even if they had to con you into it your way into what you're doing now, because that in itself is clearly creating impact. Uh, there's so many crossovers and parallels in, in your story, like that I think fill both uh, Jason's life and mine. Like I myself have, have like 18 siblings and, you know, like uh, been passed around from home to home. So I, I know, I know that feeling. And so knowing that that's the work that you're doing, I can understand where that's coming from. And then all, again, all the military stuff and the, you know, asking questions and all that, as we were getting together with uh, uh, earlier at that point that we made uh, where Jason chimed in, I mean, Jason, I know I, at least from what I've learned working beside Jason, like you guys just have that same thing. He also refuses to do anything that doesn't have that level of impact. I mean, I'll let him speak for you, you know, it's to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything has to make an impact and, and it has to be a minimum three-way win. That's it. 
three ways after win. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it? Right. And I don't focus so much on legacy. I really believe in footprint. That's my thing is that right. The legacy is local. The footprints around the world. Right. So if you're going to do something, make a big ass impact. Right. Don't throw a pebble into the pond. Throw a damn boulder in there. Right. And, and make it ripple and do something that's going to positively impact more than just your immediate surroundings. And I think when we truly finally get to that point in life where, where we're able to do more philanthropy things and uh, feel good things, right? I think those things are the things that then in turn they start to fill some of those holes and gaps that we have, right? Uh, through through things we've maybe missed out in life or, or whatever. Um, we all have them. Everybody has them. Especially if you've been in the military for any more than a four-year stint and a couple of combat tours. Um, there, there's some holes, right? And philanthropy work is such a wonderful way to fill those holes. And, you know... What you're doing is important. And I would say, keep rocking on, man, because that's that's what makes a difference for sure. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you mentioned there that you get to a point where philanthropy becomes important. I think that's one of the myths out there. And it's one of the things that I learned doing uh, Warrior's Wallet and helping people pay off debt is it's not a it's not an outcome. It's an input. When we the, Our biggest gains that we had when we started our financial journey is we changed how we dealt with money. And the number one way we did that is we started giving early, changing whether you're just to saving and spending to include giving. It changes your hold on money instead of a closed fist to an open hand. And you realize that money is going to flow into and out of your hand. When we started giving money, we agreed on a budget and started giving, all of our money problems went away we stopped fighting. We stopped having questions. Once we decided we're on the same page, going the same direction, and we started giving, even though we didn't have a lot to give, it completely changed our relationship with money. When you look at divorce and relationships and all those things out there, money is always the number one factor. Well, if that's decided and you both decide that you want to give, all of a sudden, immediately and forever, as long as it doesn't change, as long as you keep giving, that conversation is gone. You're going to have discussions with where the money's going to go. Yeah, of course you are. Oh, are we going to do this first or that first? Yeah, you know, those discussions are going to happen. Like, did you overspend one day? Yeah, those things are going to come up. But by and large, but because you've decided and are giving, all those problems are gone. You don't have to wait for some special time to start giving. True. That's deep, man. Yeah, I never I've never heard it put that way. But I, I liked the metaphor. It's a, it's a good one. It's a doozy, as they say. That's a knee slapper right there. You got me. Um, so then tell me, what are your goals with the show? Like, where are you trying to take uh, the, the the show now that it's got some legs and it's crushing it? Like, nonprofit architect. Like, where, where, do, you, where do you see it 10 years from now, five years from now? Do you even think about that? 
Uh, that's not something I have really thought about. I've actually thought recently about shelving it and starting something new. And immediately, advisors in my group are like, "So don't do that. Don't stop that." <laughs> I'm finding I'm I'm having a hard time finding new engaging conversations. To me, the conversations are still valid for the audience, but making sure that I'm engaged, that I thought was something that was important. And someone's like, "Well, well can't you just start like a second show?" And I was like, "Oh." I can start a second show. I actually can start a second show. In fact, we interviewed someone before this and we're going to interview someone after this for the new show, the Titan evolution podcast. Uh, but I did want to back up a little bit because I killed warrior's wallet immediately. Once I decided that I wasn't going to take money, I couldn't, couldn't Maxwell Maltz, great quote. Couldn't go beyond my, my image of what that was. Uh, I thought when I started the nonprofit architect pockets that I would be doing, Nonprofit consulting. It made sense. I would be providing value. My learning would be great. I'd be bringing in great guests. It made sense that people, in my mind, that people would be interested in nonprofit consulting, coaching, strategy work, whatever you want to call it. And I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and didn't get any traction. Didn't get any traction. I eventually got one client uh, and quickly realized I am not interested in doing any of that stuff at all. And people are like, well, what are you going to do with this thing? Because you're building an audience, like you're getting traction, like people are responding. I'm like, I don't know. They're like, why don't you ask the audience you built what they want? And I was like, oh, can't be that easy, can it? And I asked, <laughs> and they're immediately like, we want to know how, you, how you're kicking ass in the podcast game. Like, how is it you started with nothing, no following, no business, no whatever, and you jumped to number four in the US within three months of starting? Like, how did you do that? I was like, that's not, it's like, that's not hard, is it? It gets, Something you guys struggle with? And they're like, yes, oh my God, it's something we completely struggle with. And I had, you know, bought some different guides and done some research on the internet before starting, but didn't really have like a mentor, so to speak of. I just kind of felt like this was the way to do it. And I started doing a few things. And I had someone that I was a when I was doing Warriors Wallet, I was a guest on his show, Richard Kaufman. And he had been doing, I don't remember what he called the show back then. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was. He was like, dude, how are you getting these numbers? I was like, what are you talking about? You man, you've already been podcasting for years. He's like, not only have you surpassed me, but you've tripled the downloads I have already. I was like, there's no way, dude. He's like, he sent me a screenshot of his downloads. He had like 6,000 downloads and he'd been doing it for two and a half, three years. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm putting something together. And when I get it done, I'll go over with you and we'll see, you know, what, how it is different from what you're doing and whatnot. I created this ultimate podcast guide and I went through it with Richard and we, we put it all together and we rebranded his show and relaunched his show. This was last spring. So this is like February, March of 2021. Uh, we implemented the stuff and we put it all together. And this year he's already passed 330,000 downloads oh, wow. in, a, in a year from implementing the stuff that we came out with. And I, I put this guide together, which was what my, you know, my audience said that they wanted, like, how are you doing this stuff? And I put it together and I put it out there and sold thousands of copies of this thing. Like it just flew off the digital shelves. Uh, there's no book, right? It flew off the thing. And then immediately people are like, well, where's the course? We can have a course with this thing. I was like, course, like, oh, I don't know what to do about a course. You're like everyone is an entrepreneur. They're putting together courses. You got to put together a course. Okay. So I asked my you know, my inner circle of trusted advisors, like um, people are asking for a course for this thing. What do I do? Don't go anywhere. We'll talk to you after this call. Like, don't leave. And I stayed to the end of the call. I'm like, hey, you got to talk to this person. They actually created a course for us and they got it accredited and it's available in Forbes 
business school and a couple other colleges out there. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. So packaged up the guide, worked with the group, and I'm the only professional podcaster that has an accredited podcast course. Wow. You could take at Forbes School of Business Technology, Bellhaven University. We're in talks with, not finalized, University of San Diego, getting it in their curriculum. And you can take this really at any college. You can take it online, transfer the college credits into your school. Or if you're a regular Joe and you just want to do something cool, you can just take the class outright, which is just mind-blowing for me because I always had considered myself just a trailer park and foster care kid and never really gave my, you know, the things that I was doing and pursuing a lot of credit because of, you know, where I came from. Man. <laughs> so, so real. Uh, and the fact that most of the people who were listening, uh, it's ironic, were people who were struggling to get their podcasts off the ground that were also struggling with money. <laughs> Uh, that that just didn't get lost on me, but uh, I'm glad that you were able to be who you were to share things in the way that you share them uh, to create a course that can actually communicate to people like installing software like, oh, I need the podcast software referring back to the movie of choice, the matrix, right? I need guns. Lots of them. We were like, we need podcast skills. Lots of them. And you were like, I got you. And you went out and you coded it out and uh, now it's available and it's accredited, man. First of all, congratulations. That's got to feel good. It's got to feel good. And if it doesn't, I'm going to make sure you can feel that because that's not, that's not something everybody does. It, 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 it feels good. Thank you for, for saying that. Uh, for, for me, like when I think about it and when I like really analyze it to me and I know that that role, like, Oh, you gotta be humble. And oh, thank you. Like, <laughs> it's just mind blowing for me because I can remember thinking like as a kid in terrible situation, like no one's coming to save you. I can remember thinking that I would never have enough money for a house or a car. I remember thinking that no one would ever like terrible, terrible stuff happen in my life. You know, two, I had two family members trying to kill me like terrible things happened. And I remember thinking that, you know, it's not going to work out. I remember that, that this isn't going to happen. I, oh, I'm not going to make this enough money. I'll never make, I, you know, coming into the last years of the military, I made more money than anyone in my family had ever made on any branch that I know of at any level on either side of the family. I was the first person to go to get a degree and obviously the first person to get a graduate degree. I had never considered this stuff available to me growing up because of the programming that we have when we're from birth to seven, we're programmed by everything around us. We essentially onboard every situation without a filter until average age of about seven, six, seven years old. We just, whatever's in our situation, whatever's in our environment, that's what we onboard as our personal operating system. And so when people talk about like, I had the stuff that bothered me as a kid. No one, no one is essentially free of the seven-year-old uh, self that they have. And that OS, that installation operating software goes with us. So when people are talking about, I'm so bothered by things that, you know, that happened to me as a kid, they're not talking about like teenage years or maybe, you know, sure. But it's not as hard hitting as what happened. Yeah, it's all, it's all based on everything in your life, barring some major incident, is all skewed towards that initial operating system. And it takes a lot of work from a lot of people. It takes a lot of effort to change that operating system, to change the way you think, to change the way you look at things. If you were to grow up in a household and 
dad came home and complained every day um, that the Mexicans were taking their jobs, whatever the thing is, right? Whatever magical, weird thing you hear on the news nowadays, like you're going to think that that is a real thing and that's true. What he's really saying is that he is not abundant. And regardless of what happened in his life, no matter how it shook out, he's taking no responsibility. And he's saying it's because of those people, that group, that thing, whatever, you know, whatever people talking about today. Oh, it's the blacks. Oh, it's the whites. Oh, it's the immigrants. Oh, it's the economy. Whatever boogeyman is out there that they can shove their responsibility off onto, they're going with that. And then that's how people are creating their operating systems. It wasn't until I realized, look, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It doesn't matter what happened. I need to search the healing for myself and create my own path and my own way forward, regardless of what happened. Because even if that person, that group, that entity, the weather, the economy, the president, whoever, right, whoever you're blaming, even if they come in and admit fault, doesn't change anything. Doesn't change anything that they admit any wrongdoing, that they did anything bad, wrong, or otherwise. There's talk about reparations. I mean, how much does forgiveness cost? Can I give you a 20? Are we good? Can I give you a million dollars? Do you feel better? Can I, I probably can't buy forgiveness for $10 million. It has nothing to do with the dollars. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It's understanding that the who's at fault doesn't matter until we take responsibility within our own life. And yeah, that's a fact. And so you've got a new show that you're kicking off because you want to make sure that you stay engaged because uh, yes. you can only, you can only do a couple hundred before you're like, man, uh, it's interesting stuff, but I, I feel like asking new questions in a new direction that may not be for the show. So you found out I could have a second show. That's like when Louis, when Louis, C- yeah, Louis CK, the, uh, the comedian Louis CK had been working on, you know, however he, he messed up, but he was working on the same material for like, years and he went to go see george carlin once uh, early in in uh in his career and uh george carlin was like i, I make a new one every year or something he, he mentioned in passing he was like i never realized i could just make a new hour of comedy and so it, it's one of those things where sometimes it just takes hearing it from somebody else uh, and yeah. that's that means you've got a good circle around you man so i've got to ask if you had to offer advice to somebody who maybe is in a tough spot or just starting out trying to like achieve something, what would you say to them? I got to say, if you don't like the hand that you're dealt, fold that hand and let the dealer deal you a new hand. Like the cards that you have today are not the cards that you have tomorrow. Entrepreneurship itself is a journey. You build up, you try a business, you get knocked down, it fails, you go bankrupt, you try another one, right? You're not starting at zero. You're starting at maybe with no money, maybe ruined credit, but you have all the knowledge that you've accumulated. You have all the network that you've built up. If something, if you're getting some kind of spidey sense, right? Where in the body is it happening? Is it happening in your head as a cerebral thing? Is it happening in your heart? Like you're really connected to whatever. Is it happening in your gut? That's usually a bad one. Like, oh, like I'm not getting a good. Is it happening in your junk? I know a lot of people out there wonder why they have relationships problems. It's because the first indicator was your junk was like, Hey, what's up? If that's the first indicator, that's a, that's an evening or a weekend. That's not a relationship. The relationship's gotta be, you gotta have it in your heart, right? The head might get some attention, but if you don't get the next one in your heart, it's not good. If your first one's in your junk, 
guaranteed to, to cause you problems past next week. <laughs> oh I don't know who God, needs yeah. to hear that. They're like, they're like, why does the same stuff keep happening to me? Well, you <laughs> haven't learned the lesson yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's an opportunity for a lesson. And once you learn the lesson and then implement it, you're not going to have the lesson again. You're going to see it coming. But like, ah, ah, it's a red flag. I'm not a circus. I'm not a parade. I'm not collecting red flags. One is enough. When people tell me oh, I'm crazy, I believe them. And then I never talk to them again. <laughs> you just told me flat out. Ah, I'm crazy. Okay, cool. Well, like, hey, man, you want to hang out? No. You just told me. <laughs> Along with the other stories you told, you told me you're crazy and your life's a mess. I've, I've done this with people. Like, like, look, I don't, I don't, I've spent the last year and a half getting rid of people in scarcity and survival, only surrounding myself with abundant people that are really, you know, in the circle, the first three circles around me. Like there's no one that's not abundant in my life. I don't tolerate drama, gossip, none of that stuff. And I went to, I went to catch up with a, with a classmate from a master's class. And she's telling me about, all this craziness her life and this, that, and the other, and just like the walls are coming down. Like everything that she mentioned was drama. And I'm like, yeah, I, I hear you. I've been working really hard on getting people my, you know, out of my life that have drama, that have all this, that, and the other. Uh, only people with abundance mindsets, anyone that's drama or scarcity, like they're not included in my life moving forward. And then she texts me like, hey, can I borrow your truck? No, I just described <laughs> you. <laughs> To a T, saying I don't hang out with people with drama. And she's like, well, I don't really understand how that applies to me. I'm like, you told me that all this craziness is happening in your life. And when I say that I don't include people like that, I mean family too. No amount of shared DNA gives anyone the right to treat you poorly. Sometimes the hardest thing you need to say is, no, mom, I don't have time to talk right now. No, brother. I don't have time to talk to you until you're willing to take charge of your own life and have a responsibility. No, I'm not going to come bail you out because I'm not actually helping you. I'm enabling you. And if I keep enabling you, you're never going to figure it out. And I can't do it anymore. I've got to protect me. I've got to protect my family. I've got to protect my business. Got to protect my whatever else. People are taught to be nice, but they forget or they weren't told to be nice to yourself first. Right on. If that doesn't get through anyone's head who's listening, I, I don't know what will. Uh, that's as real as it gets. Uh, I have really only two questions left, but I want to make sure I turn over to Jason before I, before I drive any of those home. Well, I, I think it's interesting you brought up family, right? Because people feel so obligated, right? Um, obligated in the bloodline type of thing, right? And I have some personal experience with the whole family thing. And, and uh, I'm the same way. I just, I don't have time for people that are going to drag me down. I, I don't have time for it. Right. So it's like either going to be a positive light or you're the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> so, one of the two, because look, life's freaking short, man. I mean, we're here for, if we're lucky, 75 years, maybe uh, on the lucky end of it. Right. So we ain't got time for, you know, drama llama crap. Right. And we, we got to use the guilt. They'll always gotta, say, 
oh, but we're family. If they're trying to use family to guilt trip you into it, they're only bringing <laughs> up family yeah. because they want you to do something for them. Oh, yeah, right. you have to do this for me because you're Christian or whatever religion. They're only bringing that up to make you do something for them. They're not doing it out of brotherhood or out of right. what family truly is. If they're bringing up the word, it's like saying, I am funny. Not a true statement. I am in charge here. Also not a true statement. Oh, but we're family. <laughs> if we were family, you wouldn't be asking me to do this garbage. You wouldn't be treating me the way and talking to me this way. You obviously okay. don't know what family is. Back to the operating system, right? Parent abuses kid, neighbor abuses kid, uncle abuses kid, and then says, I love you. Mm. You taught that kid that love includes abuse. And you have jacked their operating system up until however many decades it takes them to figure out that that's a lie. I know people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that haven't figured out that abuse is not part of a loving relationship. If they're bringing up family or religion or obligation to guilt you into do something that you know you're never going to do, then they're the abuser. And they have no idea what it really means. Amen. Just keep getting it more real and more real. I was gonna say real and realer, but I, I'm not sure that that's a word. <laughs> you have to be president to make up words. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think George man. Bush made up like a ridiculous number of words. <laughs> there's a whole, I think it's there's hilarious. A whole, there's a whole dictionary, I think, for him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Bush, yeah. Bushisms, right? Bushisms. <laughs> That's yeah. got to be a book. <laughs> uh, I, I, I met him. I met him, and I, he's definitely the guy you want to sit down and have a beer with. He's freaking awesome, man. Politics aside, whatever you think, but doesn't really matter. But as like a human being, that is like one of the coolest dudes to sit and like drink a beer with ever. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so. Politics yeah, yeah, no, and I remember hearing about his college days and how that was the uh, jam. So, <laughs> um, yeah. coming coming back to 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 this uh, as we're closing it out, I want to make sure that people know because you've been dropping so many knowledge bombs. Where can people get a hold of you? Preferably, is it like subscribing to your new show uh, with the Titan, the podcast Titan uh, show, or are we going to refer them to the? Uh, the nonprofit architect or your website? What, what do you want them to do? I wish I could give them another answer right now because the new show's not launched. The new website's not up. All that stuff's not there. Like I rebranded my guide and the course under podcast Titan. That website's under development. The Titan Evolution podcast, my new show co-hosted with Carol Carpenter, that show's not launched yet. So the best place to find me is nonprofitarchitect.org. Check out the great episodes under the slash blog. Uh, every blog post in there has the embedded video, the audio, or the full transcript for your enjoyment of whatever method you prefer. And you can always reach out to me if you search nonprofit architect on any social media, you're going to find me. In fact, if you put in nonprofit architect podcast, I'm the first four and a half pages of Google. So if you can't find <laughs> me, remember we said there was dumb people out there. I, it's probably not a good fit anyway. So. <laughs> 
This is turned yeah, I'm, into I'm the, offended this, by that. This is turned into like the Joe Rogan show or something. Right? <laughs> so, so the Titan Evolution podcast uh, is designed to say, like, why are you a Titan? What did it take to get there? Because so many times we see on social media, we don't see all the stuff people had to do to get there. All like, if you look at me, white middle class Christian, you're like, oh, you've never had struggles in your whole life. People tried to kill me. And I, if I don't ever share that story, no one's ever going to know. And if you don't share that story, it's not going to impact someone that needs to hear that they've been through something similar. And then they can then grow from that point. Because if we think we're alone, we can't ever do anything. Yeah. Yeah. There it is again, man. There it is again. Philosophy no, I, hour with Travis, yeah. Jason, and Philip. <laughs> <laughs> do we get a phd out of this show <laughs> you have a plain high school diploma i know i do this uh this podcast is actually accredited it's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the from the school of hard knocks uh, this is go. where you, this is where you get your tv voice on and today we're sponsored by <laughs> the school of hard knocks <laughs> uh, oh man um yeah it, there's there's really not much else left other than the grand finale so i want to check in with jason just to make sure you know let's do it grand finale so the grand finale for all the marbles extra points three thousand points for this question is uh if you could have invited anybody uh who would you have loved to have had here today and why oh that's a great question you asked me before we started and you said you asked it differently you said living or dead i said definitely living (laughs) because it's going to be a a more lively conversation i did (laughs) but you know it would probably be my younger self that person that's seven or younger that needs to hear whatever it is that i'm saying if if you don't know that something exists you can't do it if you don't know that it applies to you, you, you can't do it. Like the, what's the first time you heard that a million dollars existed? You know, sometime when you're a kid watching Scrooge McDuck or whatever, swim in the money bin, like, you know, a million dollars is a thing, but it's not really real yet. Right. You don't know that it's possible until you've met someone that's actually made that million dollars and you still are not there yet until you realize that it applies to you. It's, you've got to know what it exists. You got to know that it's possible, but still isn't there unless you know it applies to you. And if I could have told my younger self that anyone's younger self that if you're listening to this right now and you're like mind blown and you've got kids and they're under seven, tell them, dear God, tell them that if something happens that is weird to come tell you, and then you have to believe them. You tell those kids that anything they can imagine that they can create Tell them they're bright, beautiful, amazing, wonderful. Everyone loves them. Because if that's their operating system moving forward, shit, just get out of their way and let them do whatever it is that they want to accomplish because you won't be able to stop them anyway. Yeah, man. Well said. Uh, thank you so much for stopping by. It was it was great chatting with you, man, uh, through and through, even before we hit record. So those are my thoughts. Uh, Jason? Yeah. Well, I always like to end with... Uh, Thanks for taking the time to be here. We, we only got a limited number of hours every week that we have decision credits for. So uh, you, you took some time to come share some of those decision credits here uh, with us and our audience. And, and uh, Philip and I and the SAB team appreciate that very much. Um, and I think there was a lot learned here. If there wasn't, well, I'll just revert back to that. There's, 
Anyway, I won't tell you. <laughs> if someone was listening, that was a joke that they got. Yeah, that, that, you're right. They would have. You, you either right? there's two so, kinds of people, right? There's the ones that got the joke and the ones that did. Mm, we'll leave it at that. Um, anyway, so <laughs> so thanks for sharing that uh, your story. Um, it's it's always amazing how many of our stories are the same. We're just different people. That's all. And but a lot of us share like in the entrepreneurial world, like could almost play a record, a video, and insert insert here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the crazy thing about it. But uh yeah, you know, it's good time. Glad to have you here. It was a lot of fun. Um, and most importantly, it was fun. So I like to have fun on the show too. So thanks for being here, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on. I always show up as exactly who I need to be, which is me and nobody else. Oscar Wilde says you can't be everyone else. They're already taken. You can only be <laughs> you. So be the best you that you can be. That's it. Right on, bud. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.